Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. All right. <clears throat> All right. Coming in three, two and one. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to GovComs, a podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke. Thank you for joining me. Today, we speak to Andrew Babington from the AFP here in Canberra, Australia, about policing and communication around policing and about some really interesting things that are being done here in Canberra about telling that particular story. And I'm really interested to to dig in to understand policing communication because it's been a fascinating part of the evolving nature, particularly through social. But anyway, we'll come to that in a moment. But Andrew believes that people work best in organisations when they're well-informed, when messaging is consistent, it's empathetic, and it's accessible. Andrew has over 10 years' experience in journalism and government communication. He worked for the big Australian newspaper organisation Fairfax as a photojournalist and in the Indigenous Affairs and Social Services sector as a communications manager. He's led communication strategies for federal budgets and an enterprise agreement bargaining for the public services largest workforce. Andrew is now working as the team leader of change and communications at ACT Policing, delivering the ACT government's recently announced $34 million police services model to evolve the way that crime is fought in Canberra. He's also currently sitting as a non-executive board director of communications for the Youth Coalition of the ACT. And he joins me now in the studio. Andrew Babington, welcome to GovComs. Thank you, David. It's great to finally be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a bit of a journey, but it, we're it here. <laughs> we're, we're here. But listen, just uh, before we get into the uh, ACT, this police services model, just you know, maybe a bit more about yourself. Where, are you from? You're from Canberra? I am. I'm a Canberra native. Um, okay, very good. Um, studied at the Australian National University and then quickly became a political news tragic um, soon after that. Indeed, <laughs> the, like the, all of us the, here in Canberra? The, the classic path. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and, and communications. What did you study at university that was the pathway into comps? So I originally started as a photographer and a, and a photojournalist, okay. um, working for Fairfax and then spending a lot of time out in um, Aboriginal communities, um, out in, in the outback, um, doing a lot of marketing campaigns with um, Queensland Health. Um, and that then led me into studying um, strategic communications uh, and doing my master's in that that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and slowly over time, I left the cameras behind and turned more towards the strategy side of stuff. But I find that I'm still very, um, I delve very deep into content right. as the core of a lot of what I do. Um, and my focus today is very much on internal communication and how you engage workforces through uh, really effective storytelling, um, really empathetic storytelling, uh, and being able to sort of measure internal sentiment and really deliver um, uh, communications that help to improve culture. Okay. Before we get into that, mm. I do want to. What did you learn as a photojournalist and and working in Indigenous communities? Um, it's the important the importance of relationships with 
the people around you, I think. Uh, I got to know a lot of people and I got to sort of hear their stories uh, and really uh, delve deep into a lot of cultures I wasn't necessarily um, always uh, exposed to mm. um, growing up in Canberra. Um, and it was, it, it was I, f- I found that really interesting because it's the, the nature of uh, how storytelling interacts with... Um, with history, local history and local culture and the, how that helps to build up a community spirit. And it's something that I see in organisations as well. Um, I guess that's probably the biggest takeaway, I think. I Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? This, you know, it, engaging with Indigenous communities and, and trying to understand the, as you say, the place of storytelling in culture, but also the the pace and the engagement and the, you know, we're always in such a hurry to get things done and get moving. And it's, yeah. and then really when you're dealing in those environments, it's like, oh, hang on, what are you in such a hurry for, mate? Just let's sit and talk and engage and let's find out a little bit more about each other before we sort of get to the, exactly. know, the action piece. And I find communication as a whole now is quite snackable. Everyone wants quick bites of of information, whether it's sort of a five-minute news update or a, a tweet or just a post with some small text, and I don't know if that necessarily always tells a, a wholesome a wholesome story, um, but it's well, definitely I don't a trend. Think it does, but it's know. definitely a trend. Well, I, I think it is, but but well, I, I think we're going to find that a lot of that stuff is you know is meaningless really, in, in because mm. in the great you know tidal wave that sort of we face every day in terms of the content that we engage mm. with. I th- I don't know. My view is that you know you you now have that choice, and you know that sna- it, unless it sits as part of a wider narrative that's mm. consistently de- delivered mm. through multiple channels, it may have a part. But if it's a disconnected piece of nothing, well, it's just going to be the flotsam jetsam that sort of moves past us and is you know should never be bothered with in the first place. And I think you can get fatigued as well seeing lots of different information in sort of for example when you scroll through instagram mm. you're seeing all sorts of different things that are all tailored for you but after a while it just all, sort of all becomes noise and I, and what i what i have seen is a big shift towards sort of what we're doing now which is longer form yeah. um conversational content <coughs> relevant to whatever the audience yeah. finds interesting and well I, and that's the point isn't it because the audience is in control now yes you know, it's that absolute narrow casting world that we live in and i decide what it is that I consume, when I consume it, on what device, in what form. And that's where communication uh, people, strategists and others need to be, as you mentioned before, this notion of empathy of your audience to understand that so as that you can deliver that particular outcome. But listen, let's get, and sorry, and, and I do want to get to this ACT policing model, but I do just quickly <laughs> want to talk to you about um, the sort of phenomenon of police social media, which really is a thing you know all it was um, whether it was i think the queensland police maybe during the the queensland floods four or five years ago perhaps they really turned it on and they turned the personality on and they dialed it up and they really set the pace globally really for police forces to really become a part of the community to have a sense of humor what was all that about well you're absolutely right i i believe it was queensland that that started that that whole trend. It actually comes back to um, Sir Edward Peel um, back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, came up with something called the Peelian Principles of Policing. And this is the idea that you, uh, law enforcement across the world are able to do what they do um, because they have the consent of the public. Yep. And a big part of that is to do with 
the transparency of their processes uh, and that they are essentially seen as just citizens in uniform and that they are relatable. So the natural progression of that in the modern day is to develop social media content on channels where citizens are talking to them in a way that they find engaging and humanizes police. Hmm. And that is essentially the core concept for right. how, we, how we got here. But it certainly, it, it, it really took off, didn't oh, it? Yeah. Because it was, yeah. um, it, it beca- it's now a global phenomenon, isn't it? That really pretty much every police force in the world now has a personality and has a really clear personality. And often it's, you know, quite funny. It's, it, it is. And a lot of work goes into right. uh, into, being in, funny. Into, into being funny as well. <laughs> Um, because there's so much um, uh, policing organizations create just the most content um, for for news, um, I feel. Uh, and you have so many things that you can talk about in any given day. Anything can really sort of happen. So you have to have these very sort of agile um, social media teams. Uh, and the community engagement aspect as well is really important. So you need to be able to um, talk to your audience, not just not just post a thing, but also respond to um, feedback as well and have that as a continual loop because it's just another form of engagement with the public. Now. Yes, and indeed it's and and to your sort of expertise in around behavioural communications, mm. ultimately the purpose, the objective of this communication is to influence behaviour, influence attitudes. Um, how then, tell us a little bit more about that and how you're bringing those principles to the work that you're doing around behavioural communication. Uh, so, well, do you want me to talk about the internal? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the internal comp stuff. Sure. So I believe that um, people are able to do the work, their, their best work in particularly large organizations um, when they're informed with information that's accessible, consistent, and empathetic. Um, there was some research um, done recently uh, by uh, Gatehouse, uh, and it found that uh, 60% of company, uh, companies across 25 countries don't actually have an internal communication strategy. What was that number? 60% of companies across 25 countries. Don't have? Don't have an internal comm strategy, period. <laughs> right. What are they, how, how do they do it? They don't. They don't. Honestly. They don't. I think, and this is, and this is the problem, is that uh, you, another statistic from that same research was that 62% of emails aren't relevant to people. So you have, particularly in larger organizations, lots of emails flying around uh, all over the place sent by r- random senders to random groups of people that aren't um, necessarily considered for the audience. They can be different levels of readability scores and plain English scores. Uh, they can be formatted differently. Um, I know that sounds silly, but I think believe it's important um, to have stuff that is simple and easy to comprehend. Um, even in how it's formatted. Um, and you have uh, information that's not scheduled or thematic in any way and doesn't necessarily feed back into a broader picture of this is part of our, our culture of mm. how we do things here. So how do you stop that? How do you stop that random nature of, well, actually, I'm just going to you know, copy everybody in because <laughs> that's the easiest thing to do and I know that I've sort of ticked the box because I sent an email and I send it to everybody. Yes. So, so you have a strategy and a framework for that. And you um, ideally, it, a lot of it does rely on, for example, with, with, with all good change management, you want to have a good sponsor or leader who believes that there is value in good internal communication. Uh, you want to have a single point of contact for um, your communications or at least have someone who manages a schedule of all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, and has a seat at an executive level to say, okay, let's not overwhelm um, people with with stuff. 
Um, yep. That's not really relevant. But how do you then get the discipline into the people who, so that's at the top level, but how do you get the discipline in the day-to-day teams that may feel that there's a need to tell everybody? And if I include everybody, I've sort of made sure that I've let everybody know. You show them the data. So um, the the biggest thing is, for example, with uh, emails in some organizations, what I've done before is put Google tracking pixels in emails. And you can very quickly see how long people are spending actually looking at all staff emails. Are they deleting them straight away without even opening them? Uh, what sort of devices are they being looked at on? Yep. Um, all that sort of stuff helps to build a a picture of just how interested your organization actually is in engaging with leadership communication, um, basically. Um, What we found um, is that as you, less can be more. So as you condense things into uh, more uh, like newsletter type things. So once a month, I do a thing at ACT Policing now called the monthly change update. It's a very quick, strict, plain English um, six dot points in sentences. It can you, police officers can look at it on their phone, and it appears beautifully on one screen, or they can scroll and navigate really easily. Uh, and it collates a lot of the emails that would have gone out in the two weeks either side of um, the newsletter. Right. So things like that um, uh, mean that they're actually reading it, yep. and they're actually reading the message because there is actually not a complete vacuum. But the one email that does come out actually is seen as being more important. Okay. And you do have data that shows that this has been an effective... Yeah, it has been effective in a number of organisations. Yeah. Um, So in terms of this police services model, this, you know, recently announced $34 million police services model, how are you... What's your role as someone who is in charge of change in comms to deliver that model? So ACT Policing was funded last year uh, just under $34 million uh, to change the way that we service the Canberra community um, specifically. And this is based on a few things that are being done overseas uh, and in Australia and in uh, New Zealand uh, around switching to more of a proactive model for policing. So this is rather than responding to crimes as they happen, looking at what the causes of those crimes are, looking at the risk indicators for people who fall into a life of crime and are constantly going through the judicial system um, in and out. And we have, well, the ACT government has very ambitious targets around uh, reducing recidivism. Uh, They want to reduce recidivism uh, in the ACT by 25% by 2025. Wow. And that's what this is that's a big number. aiming to do, which is it's very, very ambitious. Um, so, for example, uh, so we're bringing on it's these... Good te- that there's an objective. There is an objective. And yeah. we're bringing on these teams. Um, there's just under 69 members coming on uh, to actively target um, these sort of uh, at-risk um, areas in our community. Yep. So, for example... Uh, if you have a 14-year-old kid who you notice is being uh, is is hanging around a shopping centre on a Tuesday night, um, on that night every every week, mm-hmm. where currently what what might happen is that the patrol members might get a call from a shopkeeper and say, okay, this kid's here, um, and then they'll come and they'll take him home. Under this model, they'll actually go to the house and look at what's wrong. Why is this kid? hanging around a shopping centre on a Tuesday night. Right. So um, take him home and then explore is, a little is bit there, further. Is there, is, are there other services that need to be engaged with with the right. family, for example? Sure. Um, and filling in that middle middle gap between criminal investigations and just responding to crime, there's this middle piece that is more like social work, actually. Yep. Uh, and uh, we believe it'll be really 
really quite effective. It is a hard thing to explain though. It's a very tricky model and this is where I come in. So uh, as the change communications lead, I have a lot of things that I do internally and externally to try and explain what on earth this model is yep. um, to the Canberra community, what right. the benefits will be yep. um, in a way that isn't necessarily just aspirational, but it's here are some tangible things that we are going to do. Okay. Um, and internally selling it to, to our own members who um, we want to see time saved for them as well so they can respond to other crimes faster. So they're not dealing with repeat issues and repeat calls for service. Okay. So the way that I'm yeah. doing that is through storytelling. Um, and that is by actually uh, using the case studies that we get um, in an ongoing manner um, to actually tell the good news stories about um, drug houses that we might have have um, have investigated, um, children that we might have um, um, rescued, Saved. all sorts yep. of things, um, and actually not just um, not just proactively dealing with crime, but also proactively telling those stories publicly and to the media and telling those good news stories. And that's going to be the focus over the next few months um, as the team has has just started, in, uh, the first team has just gone into training. Okay. So in turn, let, let's go through mm. this though. So there's two bits to this. So there's the external bit and we can come mm. to that in a minute. But let's let's focus on internally addressing a cultural issue because this is new. So how do you get a... a culture that is used to doing it one way to all of a sudden do it another way how how are you how have you mapped that and and, and what are the some of the interventions that you've got planned over time that's going to build the enthusiasm for your model it's no secret that police are extremely busy um, they are they come to work um, they might do a 12-hour shift they're in the car on the road they don't really look at their emails they're very uh, it can be very difficult to engage them basically, with any sort of communications tactics. So um, telling them about something that's new and that's coming is actually quite a challenge. So you need to really think about your channels uh, and work with sort of your senior executives and also those lower-level members um, to understand, okay, what would you actually listen to? What, what channels do you actually look at? What's your day in the life like? And it's actually quite similar to a lot of other organizations. Face-to-face um, -face communication is the most relevant and most effective means yep. of communication. Um, I mentioned some of the streamlined messaging um, before. Uh, a big part is uh, having, and this comes back to the accessible, consistent, empathetic, uh, consistent um, messages around what the change benefit is. So focusing on this is actually the hours that we have already saved for you in your day where you're able to just get onto the next thing. Yeah. Uh, and you think about it in terms of personas, really. Uh -huh. um, in a, if you work in an IT company, for example, uh, and it's very, um, everyone sits at desks, they all do the same sort of thing. It can be really easy to come up with personas. And that is, so that is to analyze your audience and say, okay, as a such and such, I want to do a thing so that I can yes. realize this benefit. Yep. With policing, it's really uh, it's, it's quite a bit more of a challenge because you have so many teams doing all sorts of different things and you have people who do work in the office, but 80% of the people are on the road doing investigations um, and they have different ways of thinking about things as well. And, right. they, and they have very different personal benefits that they want to see. 
and this again goes to this you know increasing trend uh, of personalization so how then are you addressing that given that it's it's not a one size fits all it's it's really a very targeted very narrow so the overarching strategy is around this idea of a change narrative Mm-hmm. So it's there's a it's a rich with benefit yes, to them. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, you start with what is the selfish need? It's the it's the Maslow pyramid, really. It's yep. the what what do that you actually want, and we're going to show you how this actually will get you to that. Things, and then yep. you back it up with those case studies because police want to see the evidence base. So you want to see yep. like you can't just tell me it's going to be this way. Yep. You have to show me. Yeah, uh, and that's what the focus is. So the change narrative is um, it's a block of text. Uh, it's very clear and it says, this is our community. Uh, we want to keep it safe. Um, this police services model is coming. It's, it actually supports you to do this, 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 and this. We've already saved you this amount of time. We're working to support you so we can help the community. There's also some other messaging that goes with it. And what happens is that that is used as a content pillar. So we use that to break out talking points for managers at different levels, personalized, but there's always that core message so it's consistent across whatever channel and you just personalize it basically yep now externally so you've now got to bring uh the community with you and obviously the police have a role in obviously communicating that as well so how best then do you as you say using your channels uh which include as i say the police but how 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 do you go about it then so we have already started doing quite a bit of video content. So I'm very big on um, day in the life type type video content that's a little shorter and a little bit snackable. We recently did one about um, Pacer, which is our um, joint um, ambulance um, uh, mental health and um, police uh, response to mental health incidents in, yep. in the ACT, which is a fantastic model. Um, th- uh, so we're starting to do the video content. Uh, media we're starting to do as well. Uh, but that will focus much more around the case studies. So sure. as we do things, it's we have done this because of this model and feeding it back into that funding. One of the interesting things, I think, in, in external communication that I don't think a, a lot of people, I don't see a lot of people doing or at least seeing the linkage, is that when you communicate externally, you have a lot of your own employees mm. um, who are always going to be your loudest critics, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I always <laughs> always think internal comms is probably one of the most tricky things you can do. Um, a lot of your internal employees do follow your external channels. Yes. Whether it's social or if you see it in the news, it's just sort of like, oh, that's that's us, that's me, that's, that's what I'm part of. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a validation that you get by seeing messaging externally that you also see internally. And if there's a consistency there, I think it helps validate what you see internally yeah. as well. Um, and I, and I, that's actually part of, I guess, my thinking on this as well, is to if we have those case studies internally with the benefits, uh, that's more tailored to the internal audience. But then we have the external benefits, which is focused on how we're keeping our community safe. Yeah. Um, or we're saving people from falling into the cycle, the judicial system. Then I think that's, it's a great benefit. You're more likely to pay attention to it. Um, and it's just it's just great content as well. I'm 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 a big fan and massive fan of third party channels, and this really to me plays into an opportunity of <clears throat> the police can't do this by themselves. There's no chance you know you're going to be able to deliver it. But there are a lot of community groups, a lot of partners, potentially partners out there who could join with you, who could carry your content, who could carry your messages. Be they the local professional football teams, be they the ambulance services, be they others who 
who have some of these linkages into the community who probably may be getting to places that you don't. So how then do you start to think about using those partners to deliver this overarching um, community benefit? Because this will be better for the whole community if you can get that bit right. Correct, you're absolutely right. Uh, the the, the poli- police services model as a whole is a systematic approach yep. towards uh, fighting crime and dealing with recidivist um, uh, issues. That means working with those partners as part of delivering it itself. So we are working with ACT Health. We're working with um, domestic violence services Great. Uh, and those organisations yeah. and feeding through the community sector that we do have um, this new function that we do and you will see things done a little differently. Uh, and we, uh, I think that comes back to the content, content pillar approach of here's our core message. This is what we're delivering to the community. We think it, it's, it works and it is going to work really well. Um, and we develop those, those relationships with those third parties um, that we, we hope to share, that they would share a lot of that, that content. So- well, that's right. You know, I, I can see real co-design opportunities there where you're saying, well, listen, here is the problem that we're going to solve in your particular area. So how about we do something together, perhaps, that would you know, meet that particular need around your pillar, but with that sort of slide on it. And we do do a lot of those types of opportunities as well, particularly the, uh, around the Kenny Koala, which is um, yeah, I know for, Kenny. for people. Oh, I do. <laughs> for I know Kenny are... very well, and I know the person who <laughs> does the Kenny, and he's a character. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, well, we do a lot of, um, a lot of work with uh, Transport ACT, yes. um, for example, around tram safety mm. uh, and having the, those types of partnerships. Um, where if people can see a police officer and an ambulance worker and a clinician together, um, not just working together, but also in the media, actually solving issues in our community, Mm. that really builds confidence in government. Mm. Now, I know we're in the COVID era where we no longer sort of run into each other anymore and we don't, you know, we spend time apart and there's no events to go to. But I recently was at the Canberra show and I went past the ACT policing extravaganza you know it was everywhere it was very you know experiential it was very engaging and there was some uh you know visual cues like a car that was smashed to pieces and you know it was like oh my god you know like yes how important is that that you continue to turn up in the community with a with you know with something that's a lot more substantial than a tweet um it's about providing opportunities for people to actually ask us questions and engage with us on a a face-to-face level and one-to-one as well. Um, People have different concerns um, and different um, issues that they want to talk to us about. Um, You don't necessarily always want to call um, police because you don't want... I think people don't necessarily want to feel like they're wasting police time. Um, So having those community outreach um, opportunities are really important. And we do things like Coffee with a Cop where we send um, members out to um, local shops to... Get Have a coffee to, with a cop. Pr- pretty much, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not false advertising. It's it's literally that. Actually, um, I reckon the cops drink more coffee than I've ever. You know, at my yeah. local coffee shop, they're there every morning. There are a few specific haunts for all of them. Yeah, they love coffee. The yes, cops. Yes. Yeah. It was long long hours. Yeah. So no, indeed, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I refer to that as the as your ground game. You know, that's that's the day-to-day winning the hearts and minds one at a time. You've really got to do that, whether it's 
you know, building a, any sort of support. You, you can't just rely on, you know, we're just going to advertise or we're going to do over the top. We've really got to make that. And you know, we, we've got to come together and I've got to really relate to you. And ultimately, the police have got to bring, in this instance, have got to bring you along and sort of co-opt you almost into the, you know, the mission of, of, of the police force. And you want that FaceTime because... Ultimately, we want to humanize the police because they yeah. are they are human. They're they're yeah. just like you or me, um, and we want people to trust police um, because they should. And um, whether it's, um, for example, the, the crashed car, which we yep. we we do bring out occasionally, um, is just another sort of like a bit of an out there way to say, okay, that's oh, great. I think it's be, very effective. Be careful driving. Yes. Like that's right. Don't don't drink and drive. Yeah, um, and it's it's it's. Um, that's, that's quite a, a really great a great um, example of, I think, really So listen, before you go, and, and I do want to let you get back to work because you've got a lot to do, you've got a big <laughs> job, um, but what does your team look like now? What, what sort of skill sets have you got you know, in the team that you're, you're leading? So in terms of the police services model team, it's yep. very much an MDT, um, so multidisciplinary team. Um, we have uh, a team of project managers who deal with the um, individual um, projects that form part of the police services model, whether it's the um, um, evolving intelligence piece or uh, new body-worn cameras and and tasers. Um, so they're embedded as part of those. Em- embedded. So we're embedded. Even we're embedded together. So, okay. um, and then we have our um, separate communications um, function as well um, with our um, classic media, social media and strategic communications teams. Yeah, right. And uh, content, obviously, um, a key part of it as well. What does that look like at the moment in terms of your capability? Uh, we ACT Policing is a very agile organisation. Um, we dealt with the fires at the start of the year, uh, and then we had the hail, and then we had, the um, obviously, the, the current um, global situation as well, um, affecting Canberra. Um, so... We actually are pretty good at shifting to working in different ways, and we already have technology built up to work on the field. So mm-hmm. we're still able to um, respond to media requests or develop communications um, because people are already used to being dispersed as police. Yep. We're yep. always where it's it's sort of weird when we're all in the office. It sort of makes more sense that we're all sort of out doing things. I, I, I totally agree with that. That's that's the model I like. But in terms of Say video creation. Where how many people have got the skills, and is it is it the skills of a specialist, or is, are you expecting every one of your team members now to be a bit of a what I call the Swiss Army knife? You know, so that they can shoot, they can take a photo, they can you know do basic editing, and and um, and project manage and write and do media relations and really do it all. Everyone can do everything basically in your team. Yeah, wow. in, in Good. yeah. Like um, when you look at ACT policing um, comms as a whole. Um, Everyone knows how to do media. Everyone has access to do social stuff when they need to because you have to sort of surge and shift uh, because you just don't know what's going to happen on any given day. uh, And people have to be able to help each other out. So you just naturally have that ability to do all those things. And I find that... um, I'm out shooting videos. I'm also talking to the yep. talking to the media and doing all sorts of yep. um, things. You don't necessarily have a, a a clear role, and I really like that um, as a. It's commu- the future. As a communications it professional, is absolutely the future. There's, um, no, there's no no way. Yeah, and I've worked in larger organisations where there are very niche. You have people with very niche skills, and yep. so it can be really hard to, I guess, shift to deal with priority issues a yep. lot of the time. I, I, the role of the specialist is still relevant. Don't mm. get me wrong. Mm. I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of the specialist, mm. but at the same time, in 
MD, you know, multidisciplinary teams, I think there is this emerging need. So how do you make sure that the people, how do you continue to improve the skills of your people? What sort of learning and education do you work on um, with your teams to make sure that they're keeping up, making sure that they're understanding what the latest you know, trends are, you know, how, how they engage, how they work? Um, we do we do a lot of um, collaborative stuff with um, other policing organisations. Okay. Um, Interesting. And other partners. Um, a lot of our members do secondments. We work very closely with a lot of other um, departments as well. And people will, will come over to us. People will go to them. We also obviously have our AFP um, national office as well. Yes. Um, so we're not just um, sort of alone. Yes. Uh, in in this, we, we there are a lot of um, communications professionals over on the national um, side that have a variety of skills and they're constantly um, developing those and we right. have a lot of cross-pollination as well with with our national um, our national colleagues yeah because it's core isn't it like when you think about it it's, it's such a you know this is the world that we are now in that you know if you're going to have a job you know you have to commit to continuous and ongoing learning and improvement it's the, it's the, the growth mindset thing it's That's the right. desire to yeah. want to be better yeah because you will it's you know life will pass you by uh very quickly if you uh, you know don't have that mindset so very good well listen fantastic good luck with it all yes, thank I'm you. Um, you know as a as a citizen of this beautiful city that we live in I wish you all the very best and I really do hope that that intervention um, can take hold and that we can in fact you know get to the problem before the problem becomes a problem and that we can you know create better opportunities because really in this city there's of so much wealth and privilege we really should be able to support people as best as we possibly can and um it sounds like the uh afp in canberra are doing just that so andrew babington thank you so much for coming in and to you the audience thank you for coming back once again the growth in numbers most recently is um is really encouraging. So uh, thanks very much for that. I really appreciate it. So if you do see the social media promotion for the GovComs podcast with Andrew Babington, please promote it, write a review, just do something. That would help us so it can be found, so more people can listen to these stories that we tell about communications in government and the public sector. Fascinating world that it is. I'm very grateful for your support, but that is the program for another week. But for the moment, it is now. Bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.